Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Wasn't that a beautiful sight with all of these families and, and babies? So beautiful. Wow, it's, it's inspiring. Uh, Pastor Glenn did mention we have actually 30, 30 babies that we're dedicating this morning. So that was the first group, and then there's another group at 1130. Um, and that's a good sign, isn't it? Lots of life. Beautiful. So, so excited about that. Happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you've joined us here on campus. If you've joined us online, we're thrilled for you as well. Happy Mother's Day. You may notice that I'm wearing a suit and tie today. Um, this is a little unusual for me. I asked myself, if my mother was able to attend church today, what would she want me to wear? And this is it. So I'm do- I've done this for my mother and all the mothers. Plus, I look really good in a suit, so every little bit helps, right? That's the idea. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I'll be glad to take a picture with you afterwards if you like. <laughs> Whatever you need. If you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians. I want to talk about honoring your parents and just briefly give us some encouragement, some uh, helpful, practical ways that we can honor our parents on this special day. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read the first three verses. If you uh, are able to stand, thanks for doing that, to honor God's loving authority in your life. This is the Apostle Paul now writing to the church at Ephesus. And he writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And may God inspire and encourage us through this important promise. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Now, God's clear on the subject, isn't he? If you honor your father and mother, you're going to have a blessed life. And uh, this actually appears in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, and is the only commandment of the, of the Ten, Big Ten, that has a promise so that you'll live long on the earth. So why is this so important to honor your parents? Let me just give you some foundational ideas as we begin The first is that all of our parents are flawed. Every parent is flawed. You okay with that? Your parents were flawed. Their parents before them were flawed. If you're a parent, you are flawed. If your children become parents, they'll be flawed. So we understand nobody's perfect. So God asks us to honor the position of parent, even though the person may be flawed. Keep that in mind. Here's another reason why this is so important, and it's because you wouldn't be alive without your parents. Any questions? You wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. And so whether they were good, bad, or indifferent, God chose them to make you. So there they are. Here's a third idea. I ask her why it's so important that we honor our parents, and that is God chose their DNA to make you the unique and special person that you are. All of us are absolutely unique. And God picked your parents. Look on on, uh, the screen at Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God knows every one of our days before we are born. That's amazing, isn't it? Really amazing. And so this is why abortion, for example, short circuits the will of God. God knew about us before our first day, and and so it's a short circuit. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it so you can hear it again. There are many accidental parents. There are no accidental babies. There are illegitimate parents. 
there are no illegitimate babies. No, all of us are important. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. You're here on purpose with a plan, with a destiny. Your life is important. And it doesn't matter if your parents were good, bad, absentee, even hurtful. The point is that God has more interest in you, being you in the world with his plan and purpose and destiny for your life than he was interested necessarily in who your parents were. So God made you special. Now, every one of us here have a mother who suffered to bring you into the world. Every one of us. Moms suffer, and therefore, we're called to honor her on special days like today. So how do we honor our mother through the seasons of life? Think about three seasons, when we're children, when we're adolescents and teenagers, and when we are adults. Let's unpack that for a moment. All of us are in one of those categories right now in our relationship with our mother. So let's imagine what we can do to honor our mother as a child. Let me put this on the screen for you. The first thing you can do is you can obey them. And all the mothers with small children say amen. Yes, follow instructions. Do what you're told. Mind the directions. Willingly, cheerfully, immediately. That God will, God, God will be honored as you honor your mother and your father. Look on the screen at Ephesians 6.1. This is from our text. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, let me just remind you, this is just good pastoral advice. If you're a young person in the room, this, I, you need to think about this. You may not realize it's true yet, but it, it is true, and I'm just giving you a heads up. And it's very simply this. God has put people in your life that he expects you to obey. The Bible teaches that there are three such places, institutions in the world, in the earth, that God expects us to submit to. One is the home, your parents. Another is the church and God's order there. And the third is the government. And so there are all kinds of institutions, forces present in our lives that God expects us to submit to. God is a God of order. God has structured society and he expects the order to be followed. This is what will cause us to flourish and to experience his best plan. If you are a young person, let me just say it this way. A child who grows up and says, no one is ever going to tell me what to do. This is a person who is destined for failure in life. Let me, let me say a, a truism for you. Much of life is doing things you don't want to do because someone God has put in your life as an authority in your life tells you or asks you to do it. Most of life is doing things you don't want to do that a parent tells you or a teacher tells you or an employer tells you or a police officer tells you. Most of life is doing things you don't want to do because someone God has put in your life tells you to do it. Can I get an amen? It's true. It's absolutely true. So you can be stubborn about it, but it will lead to your own demise and your own destruction. So you have to learn to obey. And the best way to honor God in a context of a Mother's Day is to recommit yourself to obey your parents. Let's uh, talk about now adolescents and teenagers. Uh, how can such persons in that age category honor father and mother? Well, here's number one, re by respecting them. Respecting. Le Leviticus 19.3 says, Each of you must respect his mother and father. Hebrews 12.9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. 
Now, let me, when I say respect, this doesn't mean that you don't recognize your parents' flaws. Because we'll all remember when we were teenagers or as we're teenagers, we all remember the fact that teenagers usually, usually only see their parents' flaws. It's hard for a teenager to find something good to say about their parents usually. So you have to learn, as a teenager, you have to learn to accept your parent, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. You need to accept them and learn to forgive them. Why do I have to forgive my parents? Because you're going to need forgiveness. All this comes back around, goes around, comes around, goes around, comes around. So accepting your parents and forgiving your parents is an important way to respect your parents. And we respect our parents, so that uh, therefore we don't speak of them or to them disrespectfully. We don't speak about them disrespectfully. So we respect them. Another way that you can honor your parents is by listening to them. I can feel teenagers right now going, why did I come to church today? This is driving me nuts. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So let me say it this way. Oftentimes, even if a parent's life is not particularly honorable, you say, well, look, my parents' lives are like off the track. They're not, they're not good models for me. You know, I don't respect them the way I should. I don't honor them the way I should. And that's your pushback to all of this. Here, here's something you should, you should consider. Oftentimes, even in a parent's life where the parent is not living an honorable, effective model for their own children, oftentimes a parent, even if they're not doing well, knows the right thing to do. And they will give you wise counsel. It may come something like this. Listen, I, I didn't do this, but I think you should finish school. I, I didn't model this well for you, but, but I think you should, you should not live together. You should get married. I failed at this, but it's not a good idea to have babies before you get married. You know, a broken clock is, is right twice a day. Sometimes even your parents who are kind of off track themselves have the right advice for you. So it's an honorable thing to, to pause and listen. Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And this is a way that you honor by listening, respecting and listening. Now, as an adult, how do we honor our parents? Well, one way we do that is by appreciating them. Proverbs 23, 22, when your mother is old, show her your appreciation. That can be done, can it? You can appreciate their effort. Parenting's difficult. Parenting is expensive. Parenting is time-consuming. I mean, have you ever asked yourself, how much easier would my parents' life have been without me? It would be much easier without you. And so it takes an effort. You can also appreciate their sacrifice. Latest numbers, this will encourage you uh, young parents, it costs about $260,000 per child to raise them, $260,000. And that's not counting the cost after they finish college and they come back and live in your basement. <laughs> Price keeps going up. If you're living in your mother's basement, get a job and get out of the basement and grow up. Get some momentum. You'll, it'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be fine. You, it won't kill you. 
No one, the boogeyman will not eat you. Get out there and get busy. Talk to me more about this later if you struggle with it. I can help you. Someone said having a child is the most unselfish thing you can do. Probably true, isn't it? Very unselfish thing to do, to have a child. Someone said a definition of a parent is a person who has photos where they used to have money. <laughs> it's pretty close. You remember the four stages of a man's life. This is uh, you believe in Santa. The second stage, you don't believe in Santa. The third stage is you play Santa. And the fourth stage is you look like Santa. <laughs> Proverbs twenty three twenty five. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. See, this is the goal. You want to make your mother happy and joyful. Did you know that Western culture is the only one on earth that does not respect our elders? Virtually every other culture in the world, African culture, Asian culture, Middle Eastern cultures, the older you become, the more respected you are and the more people value your wisdom. That's not true. Only in America and Western Europe do we put the greatest emphasis on the youngest people. And let me ask you the question, how's that working out for us? <laughs> not great. So in America, the older you become, the less respect you receive. Here's what happens as your parents age and as people get older. What happens to them is their friends die. And so the older they become, the less personal contacts do they have. And, of course, the marketplace then discards them. No, no longer any use for you, you're too old. You know, retire, move on. And, and so you become more and more isolated. And oftentimes in today's culture, because of the demands placed on the social demands, cultural demands, the peer pressure placed on young families, the more and more involved these families are. And, and this is one of the reasons why people now who are graduating from college have this failure to launch, and there's this delay Delay in choosing a career, delay in getting married, delay in having children, and older and older people become because of these delays. And one of the reasons for that is because parents in today's culture so highly structure their children's lives that the, that the child never has any free range time and really actual time to just learn how to socialize with their, with their cronies and to make decisions for themselves. And so this, this whole able to make a decision, a big decision, is like there's a gap there in today's culture because of the intensity of the scheduling that many families engage. And this also then precludes them from actually engaging in, the, in their grandparents and, and the, the older parents, the aging parents. So let me put something on the screen that I want to remind you about if you're not sensitive to it. Your parents have an intense need to know they made a positive impact on your life. They need it. And so you can give them great joy by telling them that, that they mattered in your life. My mother is uh, still living. She's 89 years old. Uh, my mother has a lot of wonderful qualities, uh, but she is uh, starting to uh, lose some of her memory. And so she lives now in a memory care unit. She... Uh, She's, she's on about a three-minute loop. And some of you have parents like this. She's very intelligent, as I may have mentioned, and so she thinks she's fooling you, you know, because she asks these insightful questions like, how are you doing? What's new in your life? How's your family? Tell me a story. Um, and, and, but every three minutes, she repeats the same, 
Same question. The one reoccurring question that I get from my mother is this one. She says, how many people are now are attending your church? And I tell her. And she goes crazy. She loves it. She can't believe it. She, she nicknamed me. My first name is John after my father. She nicknamed me Silent John when I was a child. I was that little guy who wouldn't talk to anyone. I hid behind her skirt. I was a very shy, extreme introvert. And, and it is astonishing to my mother when I tell her about the effects of the, our life and ministry together. And so every time I tell her now, she just goes, oh, that's amazing. That's a miracle. I can't believe what God has done. And it is hard for you to imagine that I was quiet at one point in my life like that. But she just finds it wonderful. You know the movie 50 First Dates? You remember that movie where, you know, you meet someone, the love of your life for the first time every day. You know, it's pretty exciting, exhilarating. This is what happens to my mother every three minutes when I'm with her. Because she'll, she'll circle back and say, now how many people attend your church? And I'll tell her, and the party starts again. And it's just fantastic. And so she gets great joy from it. And so I remind her, Mom, you're a good mom, and you took good care of me and, and, and my two sisters, and we're just so thankful for you. God's been good to us because he gave us you. You matter to us. Beth determined, Beth, Beth's father, my wife Beth's father, is still living. He's 96 years old. Uh, he's, he's not doing great at this point, uh, but he's, you know, he's 96 and Beth determined about 18 months ago, she said, uh, I am going to go visit my father uh, once a month, physically go to his presence and be with him once a month, and I'm going to call him once a week at the same time, on the same day, every week, until he's gone, until he passes. And that was about 18 months ago, and she's made good. She's made good on that. Can you imagine how encouraging that is t- to her dad? For her to go visit him like that and call him every week and just take care of him. Uh, Beth loves her daddy. I've always played second fiddle to her dad. And that, you say, well, that's not good. Well, it's okay in this case. Beth's mother died when Beth was only nine years old. Her mother was 39 when she passed. And Beth's dad, this is not hyperbole, Beth's dad in a town of about 2,500 people, he, he was 40 years old and now a bachelor and an eligible bachelor. And by that, I mean he was the handsomest guy in town, no, not even close. He was the most winsome guy in town. He was, the mo- he was just a great person. And he's 40 years old. And so, and so he had options at that point. But he chose not to remarry to get in any kind of serious relationship for nine years. He devoted his life to caring for Beth and her two siblings. He devoted his life to making sure his three children were well cared for. And so only when Beth, the youngest, was old enough to move away and go to college did he entertain dating someone and getting remarried. Nine years later. Now, this is a saint, This is an unusual character. This is a fabulous guy. So I stand before you now, having been married to his daughter for 46 years, and to his credit, he produced a daughter who was self-aware and filled with faith and a person who had a lot of self-confidence and goes through the world with that sense of awareness. 
so that she is a whole person and has become a wonderful wife to me and a wonderful mother and grandmother to our children. And it's all because of him. You, you know, if you have a good daddy, you can pretty much figure it out. And she had one. So good for her for taking so much good care of him. And so the second way besides appreciating them is we can also provide for them in, our, in adulthood. As time passes, the roles reverse. And if you haven't experienced this yet, it will happen. It's like, it's like one day the wind's blowing in this direction, and then suddenly, like the next day, the wind has shifted and it's blowing the other direction. And no longer are your parents taking care of you, but you find yourself taking care of them. And this is normal, and it's natural. Uh, they took care of you, and now it's your turn to take care of them. Let me just remind all of the baby boomers in the room, uh, folks in my age category, that our that our young adult children now are watching us take care of our aging parents and, and we become the model for our own children on how they're going to take care of us when we get to, get to that stage. So heads up, if you've been neglecting your aged parents or mistreating them in some way, uh, this is what you can expect from your own children when it comes your, your turn. So just uh, be nice because uh, you reap what you sow in this category. We also have elderly women in our world who, uh, these are widowed persons who have no husband or no children, and the question then is asked, who takes care of them? And the answer is the church does. This is the responsibility of the church. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, in your church, treat the older women as you would your own mother. Treat the younger women as your own sisters. The church should care for any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home, repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases the Lord. Let me remind you that Jesus hung on the cross, and while he's dying for the sins of the world, he's also taking care of his mother. Seven final sayings of Jesus from the cross. The first one was, forgive them, for they know not know what they do. The last one is, it is finished. Salvation is now secured for the world. But in between there, Jesus looks down. His mother was present on the day of the crucifixion, as horrible as that incomprehensibly horrible. And John, his best friend, John the Apostle, was there standing with his mother. And from the cross, Jesus looks down and says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Jesus was taking care of the well-being of his mother as he died for the sins of the world. Amazing. Remarkable. Well, I want to bring this in for a landing now today, but I know that Mother's Day is hard a hard day for many. And I want to close this message by speaking to those of you whose parents hurt you in a very sub substantial way. Maybe they hurt you physically, maybe they struggled with addiction, alcohol, or other things, and they were violent or irrational with you. Maybe they hurt you verbally or emotionally or sexually. Let me just uh, remind you that the Bible promises severe judgment on those who practice abuse on children. Jesus said this. He said, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you be cast into the depth of the sea for harming one of these little ones. And so Jesus had very stern warning to anyone who takes advantage or abuses a child. So here's the question for us today. What does God expect you to do if you were hurt by one or both of your parents? Well, I know what he's not asking you to do. I know he doesn't want you to deny it 
or repress it or excuse it or ignore it. I believe God is not asking you to fake it. He wants you to face into it. Face into that pain. Face into those wounds. Because when you haven't dealt with it, and you don't talk with God or someone else about it, then what inevitably happens is that you will take it out on the people closest to you. And it's likely, if you have not dealt with this pain that emanates from your parents, if you haven't dealt with it, then you're probably taking it out on your spouse or on your children or the people who are closest to you. And that's not fair, is it? Because it's not their fault. And yet they suffer for it. And of course, you would understand just rationally from talking about it, it's foolish to allow something that happened to you a long time ago to impact your loved ones today. You say, gosh, I don't want that to happen. That doesn't seem right. And for some, that person has long since died. And yet they're still controlling your behaviors today. You know, I'll show them. I got treated like this. Well, you just watch this. And it manifests itself. So you must deal with your hurt and your pain and your anger, or it will have severe consequences on you and on your family. So here's what I want to suggest, I want to challenge you with. It takes courage to make peace with your parents. You have to pray for courage. You have to stop running and hiding and blaming and excusing, and you have to start facing the issues. You have to be honest. In order to honor your parents, you have to be honest with your parents. So, for example, you might say, Mom, Dad, I want to be free to honor the good that you did in my life, but I can't do that until we deal with the pain that you've caused. You have to talk about the pain you felt and the pain that you still feel. Say something like, I want to forge a new relationship with you, but we have to start here with the pain. And if you can't talk to your parents because they're already deceased or that's just not going to be possible, there's no way to make it happen, then you need to express that pain to a Christian counselor. You need to get help from someone who can help you unload and unpack your pain with someone who can help you do that. It's so important. Now, here's the summary statement. And I hope you, you feel this from my heart because I, I, I care about this and I care about you. If you don't stop the cycle, then it will perpetuate to the next generation. And you see it every day, and I see it every day, the perpetuation of the, like a generational curse that just starts, keeps following year after year, generation after generation. But here's the good news for you today. God stands ready to meet you, and that any person... Maybe you're in the lineage and a legacy of all kinds of dysfunction and destruction in your family and you don't know how to stop it. Here's the good news for you. You can break a curse, a generational curse off of you and your family today. You can do it right now. You can be the one who decides that no more of this. It stops right here with me right now. Look at uh, the screen with me, if you will, at Psalm 27. My father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. That's the truth. 
That's the word of God. Thanks be to God. Your parents may have failed you completely, but the Lord will take you up. He will, he will parent you. He will reparent you. And only God knows how much pain you've suffered. And some of you within the, I mean, the law of averages, I'm talking to people right now who've really suffered at the hands of your parents. Only God knows how much. And I just want to remind you that only God can bring the healing you need. God knows and God can heal you. And so I encourage you to look to him. If your parents have abandoned you, God will pick you up. Your heavenly father will never lose you. He will never use you. He will never abuse you. He will never abandon you. He will never part from you. You can turn to him. He will meet you where you are and and take you up. So you be encouraged. Amen. Now let's pause and pray about these things. Dear God, none of us had perfect moms or dads. But we honor our mothers today on Mother's Day because you chose them to create each of us. We are all here because they went through pain and labor. And so we honor all the many kinds of mothers in our church today. You've instructed us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. We know that Mother's Day is a difficult day for many. So we ask for your comfort. For those who have lost their mothers, for mothers who have lost a child through miscarriage or death, we pray for stepmoms today who struggle with the blended family, for adoptive moms and foster moms who have to deal with all the wide range of emotions. We pray for those who want to be moms, but there's been no breakthrough in adoption or conception. We pray for moms who have broken relationships with their own children, who've been hurt by their own child. And we also rejoice with those moms who give birth and who have even, even given birth this year, recently. Thank you for the joy and the unlimited potential of new life. And we pray that they would get some rest. We rejoice with those who have successfully adopted and welcomed foster kids who need a loving home. We thank you for those who have become new grandmothers this year, for spiritual mothers who love and nurture, teach the next generation. We thank you for mothers who are carrying new life in their wombs right now. We pray for healthy terms and deliveries. So we bless our mothers in every stage of life those who have grade schoolers whose work is never done, scrambling for school, packing lunches, shuttling here and there, helping their homework. We pray for those who now find an empty nest and the unique loneliness that can bring. We pray for the grandmothers who pray for their families and for our church family. And so on this Mother's Day, we commit to loving and honoring all of our mothers. And in so doing, honor you. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand with us?